Hello and welcome to Pocket Economics, a guide to changing lives, our podcast about the ideas which are shaping the EBRD regions and beyond. I'm Jonathan Charles. Today we're discussing the gender gap in lending. Do banks treat women and men differently? Are female entrepreneurs less likely to receive a loan just because of their gender? Well, together with our guest today, Ralph de Haas, the EBRD's Director of Research, we're looking at whether women are discriminated against when applying for loans. But first, how do we define discrimination in lending? Direct discrimination occurs when A treats B less favourably than they treat others because of B's race, colour, nationality, sex or some other quality. Indirect discrimination is when A applies to B a requirement or condition or practice which B is less likely than others to meet because of their race, colour, gender or some such quality. So, Ralph de Haas, do you think that definition covers everything? And, and how wide is the gap uh, between women and men in the way they're being treated when seeking loans? Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, I think that's a pretty good mm-hmm. and, and intuitive um, uh, definition. As, as economists, we have a, a slightly different approach in how we, uh, how we, we look at um, discrimination. So there are basically two main models out there. One is called taste-based discrimination. So if we talk about lending um, and gender, um, we may expect that in some countries or in some banks, loan officers do not lend or lend less to women just because they do not like to lend to women. They have an an implicit bias against lending to women. Um, And the other model is about statistical discrimination. So that model basically says it's not about not liking women as as clients or not thinking that they are are good. There's just a large information asymmetry, if you will, between loan officers and female borrowers. And that makes it more difficult for a loan officer to make a decision about a particular female loan applicant. Um, And as a result, they will shy away from lending to women and tend to go for the safer option, which is lending to to men, which on average um, may work out well, but it means that good female loan applicants may um, be the, the victim of the fact that they are part of a larger group with, on average, uh, worse loan outcomes. By the way, it's maybe worth asking this question. I don't know what the answer is, but most loan officers in the countries that we've been looking at, they're probably men, aren't they? Well, not really. I think okay, so actually, you've got it's, women it's, who are also... We, there uh, are okay. actually, um, 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 when I started working on, on, on banking in our country's operation, uh, I was quite surprised that um, even in top management, um, there are there is a, a large proportion of managers are, are female, and also among loan officers. Um, there is, in many countries, a quite equal divide between uh, men and, and women. Um, and so another question is, are men more biased mm. against lending to women than women are? Um, and so one of the research, some of the research I will talk, uh, talk about later on um, goes actually into that question. And what we find, uh, just as a bit of a preview, uh, is something that others have found as well, that actually women may often be more biased when lending to women than, than men are. So that's I think that's quite, really quite fascinating and surprising. So, so you recently worked with one of our partner banks in Turkey to assess, where, to assess whether their loan officers were biased against lending to female-owned enterprises. What did you find? Mm-hmm. Um, indeed, this, this was a large bank in, uh, in, in Turkey, uh, one of our, of our clients, who um, basically were talking to some of our bankers as part of a, a large program we have in Turkey called Women in Business. Um, and um, the bankers got the economists involved because one of the issues that um, senior management of this bank brought up is that they suspected that at least some of their loan officers were biased in how they dealt with female uh, loan applicants. Now, um, again, th- this was a very generic question. Um, we didn't really get a good sense of whether this would be taste-based discrimination or statistical discrimination, as I just explained. And so we came up with this idea of doing an experiment to find out, A, what are the 
is a problem and b uh, what type of problem there there was so that we can come up with a with a solution to help this bank to to reduce um, that bias if there was uh, was a bias so so basically what we did is um, we conducted an experiment. We asked um, about 300, it's like 350 loan officers of that bank to work with us during um, classroom experiments. Um, and basically what we asked them to do is to look at a pile of loan applications. These were real loan applications from the recent past of the same bank. Um, and they had to go through the loan application as they would normally do. Normally they, do, they would do this on their screen. Now we gave them a tablet and they could basically get all the information that they would normally get. Um, what they didn't know is that we had randomly changed the gender of the uh, loan applicant. So in some cases, some loan officers would see exactly the same um, application, but it had a male name on it, while in other cases it had a female uh, name on it. This really allowed us to compare very precisely whether just by changing the, the gender of mm -hmm. the loan applicant, but keeping all else equal, there was actually a different re response of these loan officers to the uh, to the applications. And there was, presumably? Um, there was, uh, but in, in, in quite nuanced ways. Mm -hmm. So we didn't find, um, and so I think we, and in particular the management of this bank, were quite pleased to find this. We didn't find any overt discrimination in the sense that female applicants were um, rejected more often. Um, we did see that um, the, uh, the the amount and the quality of collateral that was asked mm. from female loan applicants was much higher. than So the they make the management. hurdle higher. The hurdle was, was significantly yeah. higher, exactly. And so we knew, uh, or we know from, from uh, talking to bankers in Turkey that this is an issue. We know that a lot of female uh, entrepreneurs have less access mm. to collateral, traditional collateral. And so they are often asked to uh, come up with uh, a guarantor. And so that means that women do, that do not have a guarantor are basically, uh, in many cases, excluded from access to finance, which is exactly what we found in this uh, in this experiment. As and well. a guarantor will often be a man, presumably. The guarantor will yeah. often be a man. Um, um, there is actually this interesting that you bring this up. There is some some other research that has been done for Italy where um, similar issues um, um, play a role in banking. Um, and so one of the findings of that research is that um, women who applied um, did get a loan as equally often or slightly less often than, than men. But the, the main discrimination that these authors find is that women pay a higher interest mm -hmm. rate. And as in our case, they are asked much more often to bring a, a guarantor. Now, what happens if they have a male guarantor, they actually get a lower interest rate and a very um, a higher probability of being accepted. If they bring a female guarantor, they still get the loan, but they have to pay a much higher interest rate. So in, in a way, the worst type of client for that bank are women that bring other women as guarantors. So there's sort of a double discrimination going on. And, and do you think it's restricted the, the, any discrimination, this gender gap to, to uh, loans to entrepreneurs? Or do you think it's there as well in other financial services and instruments that, that women go for, whether it's savings accounts, uh, debit cards, credit right. cards, personal loans? Um, well, we, we find this to be the case, in, if, if we look at the data across countries, in our country's operation, we see that there's a, a large but declining gap in um, access to financial services uh, according to gender. Um, we see that in richer countries, this gap is closing. We see that in more urban areas, the gap is closing. We see that in uh, younger generations, the gap is, is closing as well. Um, and so we see that in countries like Poland and Hungary, at this point in time, young women actually have a higher uh, probability of having a bank account or having uh, a savings account than, than men have. So we see that as financial development goes forward, discrimination or access to credit, um, access to credit and access to other financial services is actually becoming more more equal. But it's not an automatic process. It's mm. something that, that needs um, intervention in most countries in order to, to make sure that, that financial inclusion is, um, is, is, is driving, being driven forward.
Okay, so work in progress. Uh, you're listening to Pocket Economics, the EBRD podcast on how economic ideas help to change people's lives. I'm Jonathan Charles. Today, we're discussing the gender gap in lending with our guest, the EBRD's Ralph Lahouse. And, and Ralph, there is another question which might put it in a, in a slightly different perspective. Does it mean this, what might be perceived as a gender gap in some cases, does it mean that women are more reluctant to apply for a loan? Um, well, in many cases, that, that's, that's the case. Again, there has been some research um, into this for our region as well. So um, two economists have, have recently looked at um, 17 of EBD's countries of operation. Um, they first of all established that there was a gap in access to credit among women versus male, um, small and medium-sized uh, enterprises, male-run and female-run, uh, small and medium-sized enterprises. Um, but they could explain that complete gap by a lower propensity by female entrepreneurs to actually apply for credit. Now, that probably means that these um, um, women who have a business who probably are in need for credit, or they, who, who tell the, um, the surveyors that were part of this research that they need credit, they self-select out of the system, presumably because they know that they have very low chances to actually get credit. So it's not necessarily an indication that um, this is a demand side uh, problem. It probably means that um, these people just rationally expect that mm. when they, if they would go to a branch, they, they would probably they mm. would get mm. turned down mm. anyway. And so they're not, they're not even trying. And in a way, that's an even more um, pessimistic story, I think, because it means that a large part of the population in these countries has basically given up on the banking system as a source of, of entrepreneurial finance. Yeah, that's uh, disappointing in another way, isn't it? Because women are often better at repaying loans. There's some evidence of that in the, various places than uh, men are. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. The, the, the question is, I mean, I think that, again, that finally needs to be nuanced mm. a little bit in the sense that we also know that even in countries where women are often for cultural reasons um, not necessarily better entrepreneurs, for instance, because it's more difficult for them to move into the most profitable businesses or business sectors, they are nevertheless better um, repayers, so they have a more they are more disciplined in repaying, um, and, and there's some evidence that one of the reasons why that is the case is that banks or loan officers, and in particular male loan officers, they find it easier to pressure women into repaying than they find it um, than they, they manage to get men to repay. So it's also it's a very complex, it, a uh, complex situation. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let's let's look at the really big question here: What can be done then to expand financial inclusion to actually close this gender gap? Right. Um, well, a lot at various levels. Um, so um, if you go back to the Turkey example, I think um, what, we, what we've seen in this experiment by measuring this very, in a very detailed way, but also you know, based on experience of people that have been working in this sector for a long time, is that there are issues with inheritance laws, for instance, if it's very difficult for women as compared to men to inherit, to have um, access to assets, mm. then of course it's not surprising that uh, banks, that at least those banks that rely on collateral, are less likely to lend to women. So I think inheritance laws uh, are very important in some of our countries' operations. So make sure that that is more equal and it will allow women to, to use that collateral to, to get loans. Um, similarly, um, I think what we see in many countries is that women, often for cultural reasons, still um, uh, self-select into certain services sectors where which are by their nature very collateralized. Again, that makes it more difficult for them to access credit because there's not much collateral that they can post. Um, I think at the bank level, Training, education must be education is, part here. and yeah. education as well, both mm. at the the, yeah. the borrower level, but also in the mm. in the uh, mm. at the level of the loan officer. Uh, one of the things that we do find in in um, the the Turkey experiment that I mentioned earlier on is that there's a huge difference um, between more experienced and relatively new uh, young loan officers. So we do find some evidence for bias among young people that have just started at the bank, whereas those people that have been there for around 10, 15 years that have actually 
lend a lot to men and women and they know how to differentiate between good and bad male borrowers, good and bad female borrowers, they're actually much more comfortable with lending mm. to women. So again, um, part of that gap may be closed by better training uh, and just making sure Better that, supervision uh, as well. And better supervision of younger, as well. Of younger yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Officers, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think at the bank level, that is a very important um, thing that can be, can be done. Um, one other issue I think that, that's important to keep in mind is that um, economic theory would suggest that if um, a sector is very competitive, there is less room for taste-based discrimination, mm. right? So in a way, you know, firms or banks that discriminate just because they do not like to lend to women or black people or gays or, or whatever minority you can think of, that type of behavior becomes much more difficult mm. if it's if a sector is very competitive because they you know less discriminating uh, firms will just drive out the bad firms if you will um, and this is I, my expectation is that one of the reasons why we didn't find ev any evidence for this taste-based discrimination in the turkey uh, example very is that it's banking a very competitive okay. banking sector that's and, interesting and, yeah. and yeah. so loan officers are just trained so much to just really find every good mm. client that they can find there's just no room for discrimination for taste-based discrimination mm. that. okay, that's, that's, that's quite promising lesson. in some ways actually that, that's quite a exactly. positive Exactly. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> now, if uh, this lending gap could be closed, what would it mean for economists in terms of the boost to economies? You think? Well, uh, in, in the case of, of, of uh, a gender gap, I think that is that is um, um, obvious in a way. It just means a huge efficiency boost mm. to the economy. If there are, if it's really a matter of um, a large part of the population of potentially promising mm. entrepreneurs not becoming entrepreneurial because they do not have access to credit, and again, a lot of surveys are indicating that this is the case, then coming up with ways to actually crowd in these people into the economic process will, will boost economic growth. And there are estimates, they vary a lot, but basically what they tell us is if we manage to get more of this entrepreneurial talent into the economy, that can really um, help us boost uh, economic growth. And there are, of course, very large second-order effects as well. If we know that in countries where women know that they have the option to become entrepreneurial and become successful, if they know that they can actually earn money by setting up their own business, they will invest more and their parents will invest more in education, which you mentioned earlier on. So in the longer term, I think this will have these second-order effects that are very important as well. Okay, well, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. Ralph de Haas, thank you very much indeed. And of course, you can learn more about this subject if you want to. There's lots of related material on ebrd.com. Uh, of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts with us. Uh, share them with us, please, at ebrd on Twitter and Facebook. This must have provoked, I'm sure, some very interesting thoughts. We'd love for you to, to tell us about them. Visit iTunes, SoundCloud, and ebrd.com slash podcast to download previous episodes. But for now, until next time, goodbye.